Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. It is cold. I've forgotten what it's like to uh, have my nose hairs freeze. Anybody else? You know, and, and, uh, and, and Pastor, you've gone from Susie the duck to a frozen duck. And uh, inside joke for those of us that are Wisconsin type sort of people, all right? But uh, it is so great to be here with you. I thank you for your partnership. Uh, and I'm excited about what this church and how this church is about missions. Preaching in the first service, there was two dear brothers from Poland that were here in a camp that you're connected with. And I got a chance to uh, meet with them at Shamanaw yesterday with Herb and, uh, and uh, just what a great ministry they have. What a great opportunity in, in, an, in a nation that in Poland is still trying to figure some things out at, at, from leaving under Soviet domination, not quite the same as, uh, as Western Europe in its post-Christian mindset, but an unbelievable opportunity. You know what Shamanah does for Minnesota. Could you imagine what that camp can do for Poland? So I encourage you to, to continue to be involved in that and, and a part of that. And again, excited about missions that you have here with, uh, with partnering with Crisis Response, who is a great partner of ours, and going to Staten Island. So uh, what a great day to have soup, amen? Man, you don't, you don't have to cook, ladies. You can just say, we're having soup, and the kids don't like it. Tough, right? Amen, all right? And uh, you get a chance to do that. Maddie's sitting here in the front row. She's going to be an intern for us this, uh, this coming summer. So we're excited about her coming and, and you being partnering with her and praying and, and being a partner for her as she comes. And then in October, you get to come back down. Amen? All right. So we're excited about you coming back down and, and being a part of that. But more so that maybe it, we, you would allow us the privilege of having you see what God's doing so that you can come home and do the same thing. And that, uh, that's what partnership is. Partnership isn't just uh, this relationship where I say great things and we pat ourselves on the back, but it's a, a partnership where we challenge one another, where you challenge us and we challenge you how we can build God's kingdom. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, it, this is two services. It's cold outside. I need, I need some help today, all right? I need some help today. So I want to thank you for partnering with us as you helped us with our, our new center. Just want to give you a report on that, that folks that came down, Dan, Vyth, and others, and put the windows in on our new center, just so you know how that has changed our lives. Our average daily attendance at our free day camp, we're one of the only free day camps in all of New Orleans. When we were in our old building, we averaged 60. We're now averaging 110 kids. And we're hopefully partnering, pray that we'll, the city will get his act together. We want to be added as a feeding site because last year that's one of the things that broke our hearts. We had kids coming there hungry and those little animal crackers we had didn't help out. So we want to add to that. We're excited about that, excited about how God has grown our open court. We reach out to kids. We used to run <clears throat> at open court. We used to run about 26. Now we're running 70 to 80 kids. And uh, church went from uh, 70 to 120 now today. And I'm excited about what God has done, and thank you for helping make that happen and helping that bring apart. But you know what, y'all? That's all because we serve a great God. I'm, I'm not great. I can't see perfect with a telescope. Anybody else in here? I'm that far from it. But God, and that's what he does as we serve and follow him. But today, as we take a brief look at John chapter 21, I want to know if there's anybody in here that's discouraged. Anybody in here that's kind of disappointed? You look at life and, you know, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. 
Maybe things have happened and friendships and maybe relationships, maybe your marriage, maybe your kids, maybe your job, but, but you're just disappointed. And not about you, there, there's a phrase that us pastors use about you folks. I'll let you in on the dirty secret, all right? And, and that is ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people, all right? Our people are messy. Can I get an amen? amen? People are messy. Life works messy. Life is messy, and relationships are messy. And I don't know about you all, there's some days when I've had it with everything and everyone. Anybody else? I've had it. I've had it with friends. I've had it with family. I've had it with my kids. I've had it with the church. And to be honest about it, there's some days I've had it with God. I'm just down, and I'm beaten. Things, again, didn't turn out like we thought, and you want to quit. You want to quit. You want to quit that job. You want to quit being a parent. You want to quit, quit, quit. Why? Because you're tired of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Anybody? You're tired of being nice to people that aren't very nice. You're tired of being used. You're tired of loving when it just doesn't seem like you get love back. So you go through the motions because you quit inside. You go through those motions because you've quit inside. And then you start going back to the old dangerous games, the old world ways, the way you used to be. The old habits show back up. Things you vowed you'd never do again, you start doing. You dream of a better life, so you start living life on the edge. Creeping closer and closer to that dangerous margin. You live life on the edge, you get lost in the internet. At best, it's another game of words with friends or, or Candy Crush. <laughs> but then maybe you start visiting Candy's Crush website. All at once, you're thinking about, maybe I need to be with somebody else. A drink here, a wrong relationship there, a toke here, a dollar there, and pretty soon there's trouble everywhere. Ever been there? That's where we find ourselves in this text. And that's where we see what Jesus does in our disappointment, in our discouragement, in our pain. Last July, getting ready to leave, God had granted us a three-month sabbatical. I've uh, been in ministry 25 years and never had one, and it was great, amen? And you all helped, helped make that happen, and I appreciate that. It was, it was fantastic to unplug and get away. And it's the last week that we're there, all right? And, and Dave was there with, with kids, and, and we were there at day camp. I believe that's the week you were there. We went to the zoo. Was that you guys? It doesn't matter. I gotta, I'm 54. I don't remember anything, right? And so we're getting there. I'm sitting in the office. I'm getting ready to go on my sabbatical. I've unplugged, all right? I've unplugged. I'm sitting there, and all once I hear this kid swearing at our secretary, asking her to do things that are biologically impossible, if you know what I'm talking about. And all once I'm sitting in there, and I'm going, God, man, I got to deal with this. And the day before, I had to deal with it, too. We had some kid. I don't know. His name was Pookie or Magnolia Slim. They all got different names where I come from, all right? And so had to chase him down, chased him down. And he said, man, if the car wouldn't have been there, you wouldn't have caught me. I'm like, caught you anyway, didn't I? All right? So I'm sitting there. He jets. He takes off running. I'm like, crap. I got to chase another one. And so I'm chasing him down through the breezeway. He goes into, the, into our worship center. And thank God Jeremy's there, one of our staff members. Excited about Jeremy. He knew Jeremy when he was this big. Not only got married, just got his first job. He's teaching at his old high school. 
And he's sharing Christ and doing amazing things. God's good all the time. Amen? And so he catches him, so I grab him. He's got to take the kids to the zoo. And now I grab him. He starts headbutting me. I'm like, oh, man. He's headbutting me. He's kicking me. So finally, we sit down. We transfer. I take him. Now I know why I used to work in a group home in Minneapolis, all right? I learned all those restraint holes. You can't handle me. I'm like, dude, I'm holding on. Where are you going? All right? You weigh, you weigh 60 nothing. I weigh nothing. You ain't going nowhere. And so he's sitting there, and then we go into the office, and I'm holding him down. And again, in my mind, I'm going, three days, 20, 20 hours, and I'm out of here, right, you know? And I'm like, he's banging. I'm like, I call the secretary in. I'm like, go get the lady that brought him. She works for Christ's response because it's in partnership that we make a difference. And so she, she, I said, get Ariel, the lady that works for Christ's response. Go get her mom because we got to deal with this. He's all mad. He's gone. I'm, I'm, you let go of me. I'm going to kill you. I'm like, no, you're not. You just need to chill. He's going off. And his mom comes in. And you know that look. Her head drops. I get tired of seeing people broken and beat up. And I, I look at her and I say, it's all right. It's all right. I said, you know what? I got four kids. They don't always listen to me either. We're here to help. So there was Clarence. There I was. There she was. We were a lot like Peter. First part of John 21, what happened? They're at the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, and Peter's gone back to the same old, same old. The reversal, right? Remember a few chapters earlier, Jesus, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus, I'm the man. You and me together, we got this all down. He jets. Where's he go? He goes back to the same old, same old. Goes back to the old way. Heads on back. Afterwards, Jesus appeared, verse 1. Again, the disciples were by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were gathering. Peter and the boys went back to the old life. Why? Maybe he was humiliated. You know, he stood up and told everybody that this was the new kingdom that Jesus was the man, and it didn't turn out like he thought it was going to turn out. He, maybe he was humiliated. He left in disgrace. He was tired of the criticism, tired of the mob saying, where's your Jesus now? Where's this new kingdom now? You said you had this all down. Look at you, boy. Maybe he left to obey the commands of Jesus because Jesus asked him to go back. Matthew 28 and Mark 16. But I suggest to you, I, I think part of the reason he went back is he was discouraged. He was beaten. And you know, when we get beat down and things don't turn out the way we thought they would, we go back to what we know best. Anybody else? We go back, and what did he go? What do he know best? Man, right? He's fishing with his boy Pookie. So what's he doing? He's hanging out. He knows nets. He knows boats. He knows fish. He knows how to make money catching fish, he goes back to what he can control. You ever do that? We go back to what we can control, what we can hold our hands on. Scripture says it's going back to a stronghold. I could play that thing, 
because I lived in strongholds for a while. I had to have a drink. Thank God I lived in a small town in southwest Wisconsin because if I could have got cocaine, I'd have gotten it. Glad God took me to New Orleans long after he made me right. Amen? And we go to this stronghold. And what's a stronghold? It's that fort, if you will. Thick walls, big gates. You can't get in. The enemy starts coming. Life starts getting hard, and you duck in there. Why? Because you got enough food. You can wait this thing out. That's the stronghold that happens. How do we get rid of them? We, we don't have time today, but it's all up here, y'all. Take the thought captive because a thought becomes a desire, a desire becomes an action, a sinful action, an action becomes a habit, a habit becomes a stronghold, and strongholds are held to break. So you got to take it right away at the beginning at that thought. But there he is, he's fishing. And while he's fishing, y'all, they go out at night because everybody knows that the, that the nighttime is the right time to go fishing. So he's out there. They don't catch a thing. He's tired. He's sweaty. The spray of the water's on him. He stinks. He, he's made for an Old Spice commercial right there. Amen? And, you know, when you come up to Craigans and you go fishing from Minneapolis and you don't you get skunked, it's a disappointment, but it's not that big a deal, amen? But when you get skunked when it's your livelihood, it is. So there he is. And maybe he's saying, dang, I can't even do this right anymore. I can't even do this right. And so there he is. Again, tired. But then comes the big reveal. Jesus is on the shore. Why? Because Jesus shows up in our disappointment. Why? Jesus shows up in our discouragement. Why? Jesus shows up in our pain. Can I get an amen? Shows up in it. Became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And there he is. He's standing on the shore. And I love this. He yells out, friends, have you caught any fish? Because I think Jesus has got a sense of humor. Anybody else? I mean, you're going to deal with me, you got to have one, all right? Because that word friends in the Greek means little boy. <laughs> it means child. Laddie, <laughs> you caught anything? No, bro. There he is. And then he says, hey, put the net on the other side. That should have brought him some deja vu, amen? Luke chapter 5. Let's go fishing. Master, because you say so, we toiled all night long. We'll go fishing. And so they catch this big catch. The nets are, are huge. It's, it's, it's almost sinking the boat. John sees it first and goes, it's Jesus. And what did Peter do? Peter jumped into the water because that's who he is. If Peter took the disc, he's high I and high D. You know what that means? High trouble. And there he is, he dump, jumps in, probably put a few clothes on. I don't, I can't, you know, the text, I don't think he put his robe back on. Doesn't make much sense, amen? And so he jumps in and he swims. Why? Because it's Peter. Everybody else is in the boat, but Peter's like, yeah, because he doesn't think sometimes. And he jumps and he's swimming and they get to the shore and there's Jesus. Entered into their lives showed up 
where they were at. Amen? Come on, help me out. Amen? I mean, amen is not, it's not like an anti-Swedish, anti-Norwegian phrase, all right? <clears throat> and he's got fish there already. He's got bread. He's like, let's party. <laughs> let's get together. Why? In my neighborhood, you say, because you're my peeps. You're my boys. You're my friends. You're mine. And so there they are, and they, they eat some fish, and then they, they say they dare not even ask if it's him. They know it's him, and, 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 and they've seen Jesus. This is the third time. But then comes the restoration. I know about you. I need restoration some days. Actually, I need it every day. And Jesus looks at him, and he looks at Peter. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Jesus, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. You know, the interesting thing in this text, as you look at it, is this. Jesus uses two different words for love. The first love is agapeo. What does that mean? It's a divine love that carries this connotation of will, of purpose, as well as affection. So in his first two times, Jesus asked him, do you agapeo? Do you really love me? Jesus, this deep, deep love that you have for me. Peter answers with the word phileo, all right? And what does that mean? That is a term for affinity and friendship, fondness. It's a high aspect of love. And so the third time, Jesus asks him in that, with that phrase. Now, the interesting thing is John often used these interchangeably. And so, and so I suggest to you, when I looked at it, I'm like, because you know what? I'm not John Stott. I'm not John Piper. Amen, all right? And so I'm looking at this, trying to figure it out. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, I want to encourage you as you look at texts and as people preach and teach, be a Berean. Go back and look over the scripture. Amen? All right? Otherwise, you'll be eating biscuits with Joel Olstein. You got to watch it, all right? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I don't know where that one came from. It's not in my notes, all right? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than they do? Whoa. You've kind of already boasted about that, Peter. Do you love me more than they do? Does it mean, do you love me more than you love them, your boys, <laughs> your people? Does it mean, do you love me more than you love these things, Fishing, boats, your old life, being in control. I don't know about you, but there's some days I, need, I, need, I got all three that I'm mixed up on. And, and God speaks to him. And however you look at his pride is at the center of every one of those. And Peter's response was, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, John, do you truly love me? 
Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Finally, he says the third time, do you phileo me? Changes the word. Not truly love. In the NIV, it's truly love that you see. And I think maybe he's challenging Peter to realize that to truly love Jesus, it's not just an attachment, but it's a question of loving with all your will at all costs. And so he's asking Peter, do you love me no matter what? Do you love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength? Do you love me with all you got? Do you love me with all you got? Not just attached to me, not just saying, you know what? I got a Sunday box. I put Jesus and I take him into that Sunday box. I love him on Sunday. Why? Because it's Sunday. And if I love him on Sunday, then I can go to church, I can get soup afterwards, everything's cool. And you know, maybe I'll, I'll pull him out of the box here or there, but Jesus says, it's not just an attachment like you love your car. It's not just an attachment like you love your cell phone. It means you love at all costs. No matter what. You know, I love you. Feed my sheep. It was a renewal of Peter's loyalty and true love. Maybe you're sitting in here today and Jesus isn't your true love. Maybe your loyalty has slipped somewhere else. Jesus asks you today, do you love me? And then he said, not only was it a renewal of that love, it was a reaffirmation of his responsibilities. What were they? Feed my lambs. If you have material possessions and see a brother in need and don't help him, how can you say the love of the Father is in you? How often do we look at people in need and say, you made your bed, you sleep in it. That's not true love of Christ. Now I'm not saying we enable behaviors. Everybody hear me out, amen? But I don't know about you, I, I can't figure that out on my own self some days. Truly lovely, feed my sheep. Then he says, you truly love me, take care of my sheep, shepherd them. Wow. Old Testament, what does that mean? Be a father to the fatherless. And that is not just giving a handout if you look in the Hebrew. To be a father to the fatherless is to be deeply involved in someone's life just like the father or your father is involved in yours. It changes it. Changes it. To shepherd them. And what did Jesus, when I hear the word shepherd, I always think Luke 15, right? He got, he got 99 sheep, and one runs off, and what does Jesus say? Leave the 99 righteous to go after the one that left. Amen? That's economically stupid. If I've got 99 and this is my gig, I'm like, see ya, wouldn't want to beat ya. Right, because I've got 99 over here. Aren't you glad God's economy doesn't work that way? Aren't you glad that God 
sent his son to become flesh and blood and to move into the neighborhood, to move into Brainerd, to move into Motley, to move into Poland, to move into New Orleans, to move into India, to reveal himself to us. So what did Jesus do? Jesus met Peter at his point of disappointment. In his pain and in his discouragement, that's what God does. While we were yet his enemy, Jesus died for us. If you're here today and you've got pain so deep and you're not even letting anybody know, Jesus says, I want to meet you at that pain. Why? Because I love you so much. And Jesus meets him at his pain. Jesus reveals himself and says, here I am. And when Jesus revealed himself, he calls to Peter to love and to follow. Notice he didn't say, Peter, you idiot! God told you you were going to do that. Now you're back fishing. Now you're grabbing what you could... You're just an idiot! Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Now I'm held responsible for what I do. But God reaches down says, follow me. God reaches down, stands on the porch of the prodigal son and says, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, come home. Waiting for you to come home. Doesn't call out what he's done. Doesn't call him a loser or a quitter. Doesn't call him back into a job. Doesn't call him back into ministry. Do you love me? Now he's got a course and he's got a calling. And then Jesus calls Peter to care for people. So what does that mean for us? The church, Lakewood, Castle Rock, the small church across the road, the house church in China. What's it mean? I think it's pretty simple, y'all. One, meet people where they're at. I think sometimes the church has become anti-people. If you don't pass a test, I'm not hanging with you. All I got to say is LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning. Again, I'm not saying... God doesn't look at it as a sin, all right? But have we been really loving towards that community? And I know it's hard, but in our desire to be countercultural, we've almost become anti people. Greed. It's the same thing. Meet people where they're at. Do you even know anyone outside of this body? I mean, know them. I have a relationship. Know them deep. I get a chance. My other job is I'm the chaplain of Starbucks and Magazine in in Washington in New Orleans, all right? Self-proclaimed title, all right? Feeds my addiction, which is a strange addiction because I only drink decaffeinated coffee. It's really weird, all right? But I get to sit with... A guy we call Skanky Boy, an agnostic lawyer, 
a materialistic undertaker, and a bunch of other folks. And you know what? I learned more from them than they ever learned from me. You know, I, I, I enjoy just sitting with them. And, and having sat with them for about three years now, all at once, they're starting to ask me questions. It took about three years. But it's a joy. Do you know anyone? So, meet people where they're at. Reveal Jesus to them. Go and be my what? Witness. Be as in be as in doing as in if you have to use words, use words. Be my witness. Show Christ. Show love to them. Call people to love and follow him. And then we're called to feed and shepherd people, right? So what does that mean? Sometimes it takes a long time. I'm glad God never gave up on me. Amen? I bet you're glad God never gave up on you. But I'm also glad God never gave in to me either. You know what God does? You want to go that way? Go on with your bad self. So that we realize how great he is. Loving he is. So back to Clarence. He's fussing, dazzling, dazzling. He's fussing. He's arguing. His mom comes in. I'm like, it's okay. We're here to help. And, and he finally calms down a little bit and trying to talk and and all once God puts in my head, go to your office. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You know, it's pretty rough in here. I don't know if I want to go in my office, right? And God said, just go. We get in there, and I got this picture on my wall. You come down in October, I'll show you the picture. And it's kids that I started working with when Wendy and I went there back in 1992. It's Guppy, it's Baby James, it's Doot, it's all these guys, Right? And I look at Clarence, and he's calmed down now. And, and I look at him, and I say, Clarence, you, you see him right here? You see Redhead? He's dead. He got murdered. Because he wouldn't listen. God was calling him, and he just wouldn't listen. You see this guy? That's baby James. And he said, I can show you a video where he says he's dreaming of being a band teacher, but, man, he's doing time for dealing drugs. But I said, you see this guy? He lives in Ames, Iowa. That's weird, right? But he's taking care of business. You see this guy? You see Derek? He's married. Works down at the hotel, taking care of his family. I said, Clarence, 20 years from now, I want a picture of you on my wall. And I want to be able to say, be like Clarence. Be like Clarence. Now, we kept track of Clarence. He's still struggling. He's been, been in inpatient treatment because there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. But we're not giving up on him. Do you have a Clarence in your life? Or have you isolated and insulated yourself so much that you don't have one? Do you have a Clarence in your life? Messy. Messy. Always asking for something. It's messy. His lifestyle doesn't line up with yours. It's messy. Jesus entered into the pain and sorrow and disappointment and showed himself. Do you have a clearance in your life? 
And then are you saying, love God? Not go to church. Church is a good thing, amen? I pastor a church. I'm not saying not go, but sometimes there's a lot of steps between there and here, amen? Because they're looking for a relationship with you. Do you reveal Jesus to them? Say, just love and follow. And then do you feed and care for them? Do you have a clearance in your life? She said, do you love me? Do you truly love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Enter into their pain. Show them who Jesus is. And let God do the rest. And watch him do amazing things. Amazing things. Lord, we praise you today for your word that's so alive and so true today that we can look at Peter and say, God, that, that's me sometimes. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you're saying, it, it, it's kind of hard for me today to ask somebody to love Jesus with all they've got because I'm struggling with it in my life right now. Maybe you're in here today and the pain and sorrow of relationships Maybe you're in here today and, and where you thought you are going to be ain't anywhere where you're at. Maybe you're in here today and, and you feel like you just let God down and let people down. God's entering into your disappointment and your struggles right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that, that's you today and you're saying, I need Jesus to touch me in my disappointment and my sorrow and my pain. Would you raise your hand? I see that. 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 Just go to him right now. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, enter into my pain and my disappointment. Make me whole. Forgive me, Lord, for the times I, I didn't love you with all I had. I loved myself. I loved others. I loved things. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole today. Help me tomorrow to take that one step to continue to love you with all I got. You're in here today and I asked, do you have a clearance in your life? Have you isolated yourselves from people of pain and sorrow? Isolated yourselves from people that, <laughs> that don't think the way you think? They follow a different political agenda. They don't view things the way you do. And you've put them at arm's length. Today's the day God's saying, open up your arms. Love them. Enter into their lives. 
reveal Jesus to them. If you're in here today and you're saying, I want to do that, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand. I want to enter into people's pain. I want to give my life totally to loving God and loving people. I see that and just ask the Holy Spirit, God, affirm that in me. Confirm who you want me to go to. And Lord, through your strength, I love and care for them. Lord, I thank you so much that you sent Jesus who understood that we were in pain, the pain of sin, the pain of separation from you. We were in pain and you came and you became flesh and blood and you moved into the neighborhood. You became flesh and blood and you moved into our lives. You moved into our neighborhoods. You moved into our cities to reveal who you were. And now you beckon us to love you with all we got. To love you with a deep love that never gives up. And Lord, now that you've said that to us, now we must reveal you to other people. We must show who you are because that is what amazing grace is. It's a grace that while we were yet your enemy, while we were separated, you sent Jesus to die for us that we would be a witness to his kingdom. We would be a witness to his authority. We would be a witness to his love, compassion, and salvation. Help us to enter into people's pain, to show them who you are. Lord, and then with your amazing grace, you do the rest. Thank <laughs> you.